0: Hey guys,
1: welcome back to another episode of The Loud Ones Podcast. I am your host, Nosby and to the left of me is my beautiful co-host, Danny B. So this week, guys, we have a special guest.
0: Yes. Um,
1: and we did a few episodes without special guests, so we wanted to bring one back. Um, so we're going to let her introduce herself. Yes.
2: Hello, I'm Natalia Walker. I'm the founder and executive director of a nonprofit organization called Seeds of Fortune, a.k.a. Seed Scholars, as well as the founder of Walker Finance.
1: Yes. Yes. So, um, hashtag Black excellence, right? Yes. (laughs) So, in this week's episode, um, we want to talk about financial literacy. We want to talk about generational wealth. Um, We also want to... Give our special guest some time to talk about what it is that our organizations do, and then also um, providing any tips or I would say any help to our uh, folks out there on, on how to be on the right path to being uh, financially. Uh, I
3: don't know savvy.
1: Yes, that's a good word. That's a good word. <laughs> I was looking for it. Thanks, Danny. Um, so for starters, were you always financially responsible?
2: I was always financially responsible. Like, I remember when I was, like, I don't know. This had to be the early 2000s because that's the jersey dress era. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Mom, like, I really want a jersey. Oh, baby fat, rockwear. I was like, Mom, I really want rockwear, <laughs> but baby real fat. real throwback. You no, know, jersey dress. And she was like, yeah, you can't afford that. So mm-hmm. I was like, dang, like, how am I going to get this? Like, so I realized, like, there was, like, a shortage of money. And, yeah. like, if you have money, like, there is a kind of, you need to be able to save it. You need to be able to make your own money. And I was, like, at, like, 11, yeah, mm-hmm. 8, 9, 11, or whatever. And so every birthday, like, I had, like, a money jar. And I uh-huh. was just, like, people gave me, like, $20 here, $10 here. I started saving, like, money in my little money jar. And then before I knew it, I had, like, $100. You know, not enough to buy rockerware and baby fat. Got the little knockoffs from Chinatown. But, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it, that was, like, the first time I realized, like, there – was a lack of money and that if you had saved and were able to manage your money, then you'd be able to get things that you wanted to get. Okay. Kind
1: of so, was this something that was self-taught, or did you learn how to be financially responsible from your home, your mom, yeah. your parents, or
2: my mom was always very financially responsible. And I asked her, like, how did you learn how to be mm-hmm. financially responsible? And she actually said, reading Essence magazine. Oh right. wow! And there was That's like, just... yeah, like in the '90s and early um, late '80s, there was there was, and it still is now. There's a financial section in okay. every print magazine mm-hmm. where they like go over different fundamentals of saving, budgeting, or investing. In your money mm-hmm. um seeing her vicariously like, I think that I saw like yeah. a method to saving and trying to build wealth mm-hmm. but I think that I was just naturally a frugal person because I realized that there could be a scarcity of money so I always like tried to save money tried to make sure that I could always like hold myself down even as a teenager okay yeah that's that's really smart thinking. Did you
3: Did you get a job as a teenager? Yeah, yeah, you
2: know, the retail stores would not hire me. Like, I like, Oh, gosh. I know, it was a struggle. Like, I wanted to be the bad girl that associated. Like, oh, God. I tried to work at Necessary. They wouldn't hire me. So I actually started a little candy hustle Ooh. at oh, school wow. because in high school, like, usually the senior boxes, they would, like, sell, like, chocolates and yeah. stuff like that to pay for senior dues. And then they had all these, like, empty boxes. So I had worked for summer youth. So I did have, like, a little summer job through summer youth Mm -hmm. and it was this babysitting company and they were trying to raise money to go take the kids to sesame place okay so they were selling like bootleg cds in there they were selling candy and like little bake sales Mm -hmm. in front of the daycare and i kind of it taught me like the art of the hustle like -hmm. you know you don't have to have a lot to make money Mm -hmm. so when i found the candy boxes for the that the seniors use i was like i could just like put baked goods and stuff like Mm -hmm. that in it that the like the same thing like the babysitter did. So we had. Four Ooh, th- really that was smart. smart. So
3: you gave, really started smart, giving yeah. them some knockoff shit, like. Yeah. yeah what I'm saying.
2: <laughs> yes, but I was like, you know what? It's actually I went to Edward R. Murrow. so there was four thousand kids in our school. Oh wow! But that's we good. couldn't leave for lunch, so like by like you know, we had bands, so like yeah. by like, H band people were hungry. Like, yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, like all right, how can I make. My candy hustle like a little different than everybody else's. So I was selling like Capri Suns, Honey Buns, oh, yeah. wow. grew, like all the throwback candies. So Dang. I was known as the candy girl, and legit, I made like a thousand dollars a month
1: doing wow. that. Wow! Damn, yeah. yo, yeah. is it too Damn. late to start a candy <laughs>
3: That is, like, amazing. Yeah. Now, that's, that's pretty dope. Yeah. So, in high
2: school, I think, um, just going back to the financial, so I was able to bring in income that way, and then yeah. I had, like, little summer jobs and internship programs, and I'll get into one of the internship programs that really taught me about the method of money. Mm-hmm. So, before I wasn't, like, fi- financially literate taught, this was, mm-hmm. like, hustle. This is yeah. more hustling. So, I was able to get the candy money. I was bringing in, like, $1,000, but it's kind of, like the hood rich era too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because in New York during that time, we were always want to buy designer clothes. Yeah. Gucci, yeah. 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 Product. Hype beast clothes. So a lot of the money that I did make, I wasn't actually saving that money. I would save my money from like my summer job. Yeah. But that money I was getting like Louis Vuitton sneakers and one day me and my best friend Shayla we bought
3: hey, shout two. out to Shayla
2: <laughs> we had bought these Louis Vuitton sneakers and they were 500 And I remember the exact price $549 and we had to have a real conversation with ourselves we was like okay this is we have $500 on our feet like this doesn't make any sense. Like, Mm -hmm. what could we have done with, like, $500? Mm -hmm. And I think, like, from that point on, we're just like, okay, we got to be a little bit more smarter about our money. Mm -hmm. But, like, I felt like as minorities and as black people, like, what you wear and how you look, like, it shows, like, a status symbol. Mm -hmm. But, like, in the back, you really don't have anything of substance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So I actually was a part, like, maybe junior year of high school, I was a part of this program called Teens That Mean Business that was hosted by my church. And basically, the church would pay you for your summer internship. You would work for a local business, but you had to take financial literacy classes every single week.
1: Oh,
3: wow. Yeah.
2: That's amazing. What neighborhood was that in? In Clinton Hill. Okay. Yeah, Clinton Hill, Brooklyn. So it's like okay. four green Clinton Hill, bed And we had to learn financial literacy. So that's when I actually learned that there was actually, like, a method to money. Like, before I was just, like, saving because I was, like, scarcity. Mm Got to get designer clothes. Hustling so I can just get money. But then I learned, like, oh, there's, like, retirement. And, like, I didn't really know what it meant to retire in high school. But I knew, like, there was a longer-term gain to mm-hmm. money and how to save it. So I felt like that kind of laid the foundation for me before I went to college. Okay. Yeah. So that was kind of like my preemptive to kind of like learning about money and having all these interactions at a young age with yeah. money. So by the time I graduated from high school, I had like $3,000 of my own savings
1: oh, going wow. to college. Oh, wow. Shit. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's great. So that's good that you had a good sound foundation of knowledge, it sounds like, and a good um, amount of experience learning about financial liter- literacy because I think that I always say that's one of the courses that, um, should be offered in high school and probably earlier than that, right? Because I think that in like elementary, where we, they used to encourage people to like save, the, what is it called, the penny, something about oh, the yeah, penny like oh yeah, like the penny drive, yeah, yeah. Or something like that. Like they used to do like little saving kind of challenges like that, yeah. But then like they lost it when it got yeah. to junior it high. It and high school like,
3: it doesn't seem like in this like now. I see that they're trying to implement that back into the school system, yeah. But I for a while, even like there was a lack of. Like programs where teach where it teaches you like yeah. um, financial financial literacy and also like I feel like if it if it are programs they're in like more yeah. private schools or more like affluent schools. I like, took
1: this one class in high school. I want, I'm, I'm. I feel like I'm gonna get the the class name wrong, but I feel like it was like business management or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned how to file taxes, and I learned about money. That's good. Um, oh, wow. I learned about um accounting, and I went to Martin Van Buren in High School. Oh, yeah. Um, so I was surprised that <laughs> they had that a part of the curriculum. For real. <laughs> Um, but uh, that was a lot of the ground that groundwork uh, kind of what sparked me to move into where I eventually you know am in my career now but so I want to get back to financial literacy now the struggle that I find within like black communities is that because our parents were not taught anything about financial literacy it becomes like a generational yes, um, issue and um I think that in this day and age where, there's a bunch of new banks. There's a bunch of um, new ways to obtain money as, a, I would say, as a liability almost, right? We have all these different types of loans. We have all these different craziness. And some people get caught away with like a college credit card or anything like that. And they don't know how to, they don't know anything about money management, right? They don't know the importance of savings and the different financial um I would say uh, tools almost or uh, products that they can purchase so that they can, I would say, further along their money in some way, right? So through your foundation or just your personal experience, do you do any mentorship or do you do any sharing of that knowledge to help people like you know, who 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 weren't raised to to have that knowledge. Right.
2: I'm so glad you brought this up because the reason why one of the reasons why I started Seeds of Fortune was it was maybe had to be around my junior year of college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had gotten a scholarship to go to my undergraduate alma mater Baptist college. And I was taught by somebody that knew how to get scholarships. Know Mm -hmm. how to? It's kind of like branding yourself for Mm -hmm. university, so that they could see the potential to invest in you. Because Mm -hmm. if somebody gave you a scholarship, they're investing in you, basically. And my school was actually in Wellesley, Massachusetts. And Wellesley, Massachusetts is one of the richest towns in all of America. Like, there's Mm -hmm. literally a mansion every square mile. So I just felt like a just a position. Like I would go back to Brooklyn, and that's before you know, we was like. Fancy yeah. Brooklyn. Now we a little fancy. Yeah,
1: yeah. Brooklyn real estate is the most e- expensive real estate in the country. Yeah. Um,
2: so like before, like in um like 2009, so that was like 2013 or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was like really still really a little rough, and I would see like crackheads, and like I was just like, how can some people have so much? And then other people have, have so, so little, so little. Mm-hmm. And then also with my peers in undergrad, like you know, like everybody's like the broke college student, like you know, mm-hmm. everybody's mm-hmm. trying to figure it out. Eating
1: but ramen
2: noodles. Eating ramen noodles, trying to figure it out. But I went to a PWI, and I found that my white counterparts they actually have been talking about money across the table. They're like, "Can yeah. you explain what a PWI is for our listeners?" It's a predominantly white institution. Yes. Okay. So I knew that. I just yeah. I know. No. Yeah. They might not know. Yeah. 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 So I went to a predominantly white institution, and my white counterpart, Parts like I went to business school too, so that brings like a different kind of environment. Yeah, people about their money, but um, their parents they said like yeah we used to read the New York Times and look at the real estate section and like mm-hmm. all these things of like putting it in their mind before mind you we're 18, eighteen, right, nineteen. So all this time they're talking about money, they're talking about how to build money, they're talking with their peers that understand money, and I felt that my peers were struggling a little bit more of the broke college student. And some of it was a little bit of self-sabotage a little bit, just not knowing what to do with money right. um, as an undergraduate. So mm-hmm. when I started Seeds of Fortune, I definitely wanted the scholarship component of it because somebody taught me, gave me the gift of knowing how to get scholarships, knowing what to write, knowing how to captivate an audience so they feel like they want to give me money. But also I felt like there needed to be a money management part of it because I feel like Black people are afraid to talk about money. Like, have you ever, when you are when you were maybe like... um. 13 or 14 you'd be like oh how,
1: mommy how much you make They'd be like don't be asking me questions like that yeah so that's something that was taught um and for me i don't know if you have this experience i don't i sometimes i find it rude when people ask me how much it makes only because um i'm like you're counting my dollars and i think as black people depending on the neighborhood and how your parents were raised people use that as like um like a sign on your forehead, like you make this much money and it puts you at risk for harm in some black communities because they think you have money. They want to rob your house. So a lot of people would just be like, my mom always said, do not. My mom, I remember.
3: My mom always told me the same thing. Don't tell nobody what's going on in this house.
1: And I remember when I had to do my FAFSA, where you would have to submit your your parents' taxes, that's Mm -hmm. when I first found out how much my mom made.
3: Me too. And, um...
1: I remember trying to have a discussion about it and she was like, it was as if I was being disrespectful to her mm-hmm. yes. and I was like, damn. And so now I get tricked up on that when now that I'm older um, people like I, I'll run um, into some of like my old colleagues and we're in the, we have the same career and we're at different firms and some people will be like, Oh, hey, Nas! Like, how much did how much did you get in salary? Because you know we talk about negotiation okay. tactics and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then I'd be like, mm. I don't or, or I will make. or I will give a I will give a range or I would give a lower amount than what I'm making, mm. um, only because um, I feel like. People can also interpret it in many ways. Yeah, you know what I mean. And people also associate that with the value of your skill set. So, right. and then and then your marketability. And sometimes you don't want to. You don't want to. You know. And then and then it that self consciously is like, shit. He's making. Oh, a hundred. Da And I'm making this, and oh my god, and this, and that, and you know what I mean. And then yeah. it becomes a whole thing. Yeah. So, um. But what do you? How do you feel about that? Do you think that we should be sharing compensation and and, and what our salary looks like? We, sh-
2: we should. It is okay. a very difficult conversation to have mm-hmm, right. because a lot of times in Seeds of Fortune, we get the girls at 11th and 12th grade. So now it is time to talk about money mm-hmm. and time to talk about how much your parents make. And the girls have an unrealistic expectation of what their parents can actually afford to send them to college with. So let's say now universities cost like $72,000 a year, like the most prominent ones. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, your state universities are around 25000 but that's still a quarter lot of, of money. Some, can be a quarter of somebody's salary or somebody's whole salary. Mm-hmm. So if you don't talk to your parents, you're like, yeah, like my mom and my mom and dad they'll pay for it, but they don't even know how much their university, parents yeah, mean. they don't know how much your parents make, they don't know yeah. how much university costs, and then it leads to them picking in the spring semester schools that they cannot afford or will put them in debt for a very very long time after undergrad.
1: Do you also um the value of a dollar? And how far that can get you, I think, is important also. I mean, I don't know if you have that or incorporate that in your discussion. The reason why I say that is because um, if you learn that your parents make $50,000, but they're buying you whatever they're buying you, you may think that they have this amount of money. Yeah. And it can stretch a certain way. But economically, when you think about your your fixed expenses, these are things that won't change your rent, your mortgage car note, car insurance, whatever the case is that the parents are responsible for now taking on college you have expenses like your books, you have other things that these they have to be able to afford right. and sometimes the unrealistic expectation that these these students may have because I had that at one point yeah. I thought that I was going to be have more support going to college yeah. and I didn't because I'm one of five so my oh. mom and we're all back to back so um, my mom is a widow, and so we were only relying on my mm-hmm. mom's salary. salary. But she also very much so encouraged us from young to work. So I've been working since a child. And so it was hard for me going through my college experience because I used to be so angry, like, why, why? is she mm-hmm. getting, me, I have this, Why I have this and lessons. why that yep. and why that? And I think until recently, now that I have my, my son, I'm like, oh, like, I feel feel like an asshole. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, you never got me these books that I needed that were $500. But I have to understand, I'm one of five. And essentially, all of us at one time could all be in college or coming out of college. and You know what I mean? And she's one person, one salary. And on average, in America, people on average make (laughs) $56,000. So that when you think about the cost of living in New York.
3: Facts. <laughs> that's so you true. And think about
1: man. other expenses that they have to, cost of living is expensive. Mm-hmm. You think about the requirements of having a car, insurance. Most people who drive in New York also have to pay for like MTA, MTA. Yeah. which is like a, you know, is a $400 bill. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I think those are some of the um things that I didn't include in my world when thinking about going to college. So it's really good that to hear that your foundation and what you do for work is educating people because our parents, unfortunately, and I want to encourage other people, like, even if you're not a parent, just just um, be more fluid with the information that you may have.
3: Because
1: yeah, yeah. I think we all have a responsibility for the next generation. Yeah. yeah.
3: No, I
2: totally yeah. agree. I feel like it's very hard because, yeah. you know, I feel like African-Americans in particular and some also – um Hispanic families, it is very hard to change behavior. Yes, And the college application, why, why I feel the kind of getting them right before college application season and FASA, when they're starting to think about money, is because this is the first time you're gonna really have a conversation with your parents about how much money they make, what, is, what does this mean for us as a family? Right. Also, financial planning. Like, I had the same kind of, not resentment. And I felt like we were, like, definitely, like, a middle-class family. My mom had been, like, 529 savings plan, if people don't know what that is. Yeah. That is the ability to be able to put money aside, like, almost as soon as your child is born. For education. For educational purposes. Mm-hmm. You can do $20 a month, and they invest the money for you so that it grows um, year over year as your child is going through their primary and secondary school education to hopefully have some type of money to be able to afford some of the expenses you're talking about for college mm-hmm. and I was kind of like resentful. once those um, Apple, uh, the little acceptance letters started yeah. coming in and they say okay like congratulations you're coming to our university okay it costs $50,000 a year at that time it's $50,000 a year I was just like Oh my gosh, like where yeah. are we gonna get fifty thousand dollars from? from? Right. And my mom, we sat down once I got my I got a scholarship to Hampton and I got a scholarship to Babson through mm-hmm. the Posse Foundation. So those are the two options that I was um going with. So my mom, she sat me down and she was like, All right, how are we gonna pay for this? So she told me this is how much money I have saved up, mm-hmm. this is how much money I have to work with. Then we divided it by four years. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Freshman year, I'll pay for this. Sophomore year, you need to figure it out. Junior year, I'll do this and senior year, you need to figure it out. So Mm -hmm. that we have like a plan going into college college and undergraduate experience. So for our scholars, we use um, Google Sheets or Excel Mm -hmm. and we have them. We we used to have one on one parents meetings, but now Mm -hmm. we just have them fill out the profile so that we can have the information a little bit more quickly. Mm -hmm. How much money are your parents willing to contribute to your college education? in their mind it like twenty thousand dollars they said they'll pay for the whole thing. But then once they have the conversation, like, okay, tell your parents that the max of college is seventy, mm-hmm. the minimum of college is twenty how much are they ma- able to meet you mm-hmm. in the middle? Zero. It comes down to zero. Some mm-hmm. parents are like I don't have any money for this. Yeah, and that resets the student's expectations of what I need to do because right. there has to be some onus on you as now you're becoming a young adult. Mm-hmm. How am I going to be able to pay for of this? Of course, it's right?
3: Affordable option.
1: So, Danny, what was your experience like when you had that conversation? Did you um, have that
3: conversation with your mom? So it was more of a vague conversation because um, my mom, um, she has always been like a supportive mom so when I told her where I wanted to go to college my guidance counselor actually told me she said um your mom's not going to be able to afford this and it kind of immediately like um put me down it made me feel like damn like I can't even go to the college of my choice and then when I asked my dad um unfortunately he I don't know what his financial situation is um it's different from what i think it is so i can't i can't really expand on that but i was like you know he was like yeah i'm not really paying for college so i'm like "Mm." so my mom was like you know what fuck it tell her she told my mom and this is this is where i feel like um i could have done more and been more understanding because at that moment i just wanted to go to college and make my mom proud um she told me she said tell that bitch (laughs) That um, if she's not paying for it, don't tell don't ask me nothing. And now my mom is in debt because of it. Mm. but she wanted to make I mean, I made sure I kept um hone on my promise to make sure that she doesn't have to pay her student loans back or you know, um, or that, you know, I didn't drop out of college, I graduated college and I did everything I was supposed to do, but at the same time, it's still kind of a burden because she's in debt more than a hundred thousand dollars because of that. And it's like, when am I, when are we going to eventually be able to pay this off? Like my, my consistent goal is that, you know, make sure I make a lot of money so I can take care of her make sure I make a lot of money so I can pay these student loans off. But, you know, sometimes it sets in that they may not even be a reality. I may not ever be a millionaire, but I want to, I want to do that. But it's like that reality yeah, of, you know, I'm, I went away to college and I made her pay for it and I could have done more, um, sometimes bothers me, but I also don't regret it because, you know, she was helping me fulfill a dream. So and it, it's like a double-edged sword where yeah. I feel like, you know, I made her proud, but like now she's in debt. Yeah. So my
1: personal experience was my mom told me, you have no choice but to go to college. And so we didn't really have a financial conversation. It was None. like- but I'm not paying, but you need to go to college. You cannot be in my house unless you go to college. And I was like, Wait, so you're not paying and I'd have to go to college, but you're not paying. I was working full time at the time and I was I would say I was making uh pretty good money. And um I like I've always been a, I always say this, I've always been an honor student. So people had the expectation that I'd follow in one of my sister's footsteps. You know, she went to NYU. She went to Vassar. She went to all these big league schools. And because I had the same potential as her, um, my sister was like, why don't you go to Vassar as, um, through the alumni program? Because um, they had like a special program to encourage alumni to bring in their, you know, um, siblings. And I said, no. At the time, because I am the youngest of, no, no, no. I am the last daughter of because there's, there's, there's three other girls and I'm the fourth girl. I had the opportunity to see my older sisters go to these huge colleges and come back home with the bill. Mm-hmm. So I said to myself, I'm not going to do that. I took a different approach and I went to CUNY.
2: Yeah, I love CUNY.
1: And mm-hmm. I went to CUNY, Brooklyn, and I went to CUNY City Tech. So I went to City Tech first. I actually technically went to LaGuardia for one semester, but that was shit. Um, <laughs> I went to City Tech. I graduated with my first degree. Then I went to Brooklyn College and got my second degree. And I purposely took advantage of FAFSA and as much free money. But unfortunately, because I made money and and um, when you take oh, in it, account my money and my mother's money, apparently... Down that I no longer was qualified for. Financial aid. Yeah, financial okay, that aid. That was something. That... So the debt that I have, although it is probably one-eighth of what my sister has and my other sisters, because my other sister went to, like, CW Post. So, you know, she went to LIU and then she went to Miles College in Alabama. So for me, my debt is small. However, I just, I had to financially know that I'm responsible for this. So I, I did go through a period of time where some of my family members just would look down, on me for my decision, but I had said to myself, if you're in a predicament like me where your parent is not paying for it, you don't have access to money, it's not that I wouldn't be qualified for scholarships. I just felt like, and I, or maybe I wasn't confident to get a full ride, and I just didn't want to get stuck with a hefty bill of 50K or nothing mm-hmm. like that because I I saw my sister, I'm like, you went to NYU, you went to all these pres- prestigious schools. You're not earning enough to pay off that six-figure debt yeah. and still live the lifestyle that you, you want. want. Mm-hmm. So I was like, if I go to CUNY, and I was like, if I go to CUNY, um, I, my education will be cheaper. And I just felt like, let me go to the one of the best schools that I can, work my ass off. And I said, I would just have to learn how to be a salesperson in the sense of selling myself for a career whenever I go to people. Like, because... The, depending on the field that you got, w- you guys are going to be in, um, you need to understand other people have bigger educ come from bigger schools. Yeah. Right. So if you're going to a CUNY, you need to learn how to market yourself and the face to face in an interview. Mm-hmm. So right. I had to I took on that skill set because I was so upset with my mom when she was like, "You need to go, but I'm we don't so have no money." Yeah. I'm so
2: glad you bring that up because yeah. um, CUNY is an option. We have some of our scholars that are CUNY schools, and when I. Like, look at the rankings because I'm, like, a semi-college guidance counselor at this point. <laughs> um, um, when I look at the rankings, our CUNY schools actually come up in the top 100 of universities across the country. Mm-hmm. Wow. And the fact that you are in the greatest city in the world, if you go to CUNY, you have the ability to do internships fall semester, spring semester. Kids are, like, own, like paying $5,000 to pay for rent in the summer in New York from Oklahoma, Boston, yeah. DC to come up and get experiences that you have right at the fingertips, getting on a subway train. And isn't
1: CUNY
3: free now? CUNY is free if your parents make under one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. Yes. yes, Um and that's that's something that I also regret. Like my my um, uh, my mom had told me when it came to fashion. My mom was uh, she's recently divorced, but she's been separated from her her husband for a while, and um. He, oh, sorry to put his business out there, but he makes like literally no money. Mm-hmm. And she told me, she said, just, um, just put him on your FAFSA application. Like yes. you would go to school for free. And I, I was so gun ho. On like making sure my father felt still felt like my father that I was like you know I'm not gonna demasculate him like that and make mm-hmm. him and not put him on my application and and it just I just look back on See, all of the things that yes. I've done and I was like you're so silly like my dad told me to go to school in state and I didn't want to listen to him but I but at the same time I was so stubborn and I had to learn from these experiences but um now that I look back on it I'm like damn like you weren't. In, your, in my mind, I feel like I was selfish even though my mom tells me I wasn't.
1: You know, thinking about that story, it makes me um, always connect the dots back to uh, historic, historical events that um, uh, still tie us down to certain um, concepts now right. where money or anything of monetary uh, value is a reflection on... Who you are and your status in the mm-hmm. black community. Right. Um, and so for blacks, you don't talk about money or don't ever make me seem like I'm broke, right? Because that's it, the, and not for nothing. It was we, we constant. No, I'm not saying like that, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying, no. It, like you said, you didn't want to demasculate your father and things like that. And I'm not saying this is in, t- in, in, in
3: like well, two it or was. The same. It was more so in the aspect of like I didn't want to take him away from being my father. Like, like it paper. wasn't a, on paper. Yeah, it yeah, wasn't necessarily yeah. like oh, because my dad is pretty good. Like yeah, but um, I didn't want to take that like the the father figure from him. That's what it was. But what father? Yes, yes. But
1: but what I was um. No, 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 that's why I was saying it. it's not, I wasn't relating it directly to that. But what mm-hmm. I was saying is that um, because we, pl- and we, we till this day still play into it and to some defense, because we feel like we have to make sure we come off a certain way, we speak a certain way, we look a certain right. way, just so people can tie it back to you come from a certain type of community where yeah. you have some type of status. So unfortunately, because our mind is still trained to think that way, um, it leads us to make Bad decisions to impress others or at least give off the look that Mm -hmm. that we are of the status. And um, school was I think school and people who want to go to college is the first level of debt that they will enter. Yes. And so that is um, that time when you're in high school and everything's a popularity contest Mm -hmm. that plays into things because it's like, Oh, what college you're going to? Oh, I'm going to here. Oh, your mom doesn't have money. Oh, this and that. And then it plays into it. And then we do all kinds of things just so we can go to a certain school because, you know, we might watch shows and we might see the sororities or anything like that. And then, you know, again, popularity contests at school. And then we don't, um, that, that, um, debt is not realized until you graduate, yeah. and six months later, they're like, you know Sala Sally Mae May is like,
3: "Hey, hey I'm deferment. So, hey, hello, hi. Are you going Can't back defer to school? No
1: longer. <laughs> Are you going back to school? Oh no, I need my first payment. And and people don't get that. That's true. People it's don't so get true. that. And, and then. Oh, Go ahead, yeah, go ahead. We're all
2: getting excited, um, Also, what I've seen, now that we're in postgraduate mode, mm-hmm. and we have our t- first two scholars, that have, two classes, sorry, that have graduated out of um, university. And I will also say this for my peers, because I'm not that long graduated from university as well. But going back for your master's degree mm-hmm. or your MBA, like I feel like there has to be like a specific reason why you want to do that. Either mm-hmm. and if it's not connected to a salary boost or changing your industry that you want to be in, people are taking even more debt out. Like you already yeah. did undergraduate debt. Everyone's yeah. gonna be debt for the rest of your life. <laughs> like, uh, I have
1: I wanna ask you your opinion on this and then we can talk because um I wish I brought this article up. But um as far as masters or MBAs, mm-hmm. do you think that um It's worth it.
2: I personally do not feel like it is worth it just because of the undergraduate education that I received. I feel like it was solid. The only reason why I would ever go back for a um, MBA program or um, master's degree program is somebody paid me to do it. And um, if I knew I was going to make like a whole bunch of more money doing it. But I'm like, people go to their master's degree and they end up like working alongside me. Like, like what, what,
3: yeah, you
2: do but for some yeah. people, like they're stuck in a certain industry. They're trying to transition out. But it's really hard if you don't have experience in that industry to <laughs> actually make a move to another one that makes sense to do it. Yeah. Also, a lot of my scholars, they want to be doctors. They want to be lawyers, physical therapists. You have to go get your master's degree yeah, in those instances. So that is. You cannot practice without those accreditations. So. I want
1: to. You just brought up more things that I wanted to talk about too. Um, I, I want to touch on some of the careers that you mentioned, but the first thing that I wanted to talk about, as it relates to the value of having a master's or MBA, I my personal experience, but studies show um, there was an article that was released on um, LinkedIn where the where um, statistically it doesn't make sense to obtain your master's or MBA. And no disrespect to you, Danny, because I know that's what the route you're going.
3: Oh, no, no, no. That's, listen. But, but
1: I, I'm going to explain to you what the article was saying. Mm-hmm. The problem is, and 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 I, you can take different views onto this topic, but here's some of the views that was discussed in this article, and I wish I had it in front of me. One of the first things is that um, individuals go to uh graduate school to obtain their m their their masters or their m b a assuming that that will propel them further into a um to just get the first step into a career which it can't however they also oftentimes lack the experience requirement that's also within that that Mm -hmm. job requisition. So they might meet the education requirements, but they don't meet the experience requirements. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is they end up making below somebody who comes in with the experience, but just can't maybe get to that level that that rec is for. But so that's why you often see a lot of people with MBAs and masters, they're working regular jobs making $15 an hour. That's so true. Secondly, depending on the industry that you are in, is it nice? It's a nice to have yeah. for your master's or MBA. However, what is better other than the experience that you need to move on is certifications. For instance, yep. um, my, my career in my career, I, I work as in I work in internal audit. Mm-hmm. So for my career, um, the most important certification you can get is to be a certified internal auditor. A lot of times people will say that's comparable to the CPA. CPA is more based on, um I would say, you know, looking at uh, accounting. But you can, so I'm an internal auditor career-wise. There's external auditors. External auditors would be auditing financial statements so the CPA would make sense for them. However, I work on more operational um, audits, are risk focused, and may have touch of uh, finance, some type of financial component, mm-hmm. which is fine because for me, I have a finance degree and I'm really, really good at accounting. I just thought accounting was boring, so I didn't go with that. <laughs> little, yeah. yeah,
2: depending yeah. on what your flow is. No, you no know, disrespect. I used account- to tutor. Every, this little, you know, no. everything works for everybody. Yeah, yes. I used to
1: tutor accounting. That's why I can say that. Mm. Um, but. So for me, I find there's a lot of people who wave, you know, the MBA around in, in my field as a way to make a lot of money. And I'm like, at the end of the day, people care about certifications. What I'm seeing more now, at least in the industry I'm in, they no longer are asking for MBAs and they no longer are asking so much for the certifications. They want the experience because Some some certifications require, they have prerequisites before you can sit for it. Like the CPA requires a bunch, I forgot, like 30 credits in accounting or something like that. 30 or 60, but I think it's 30. Um, Your CIA, you need two years for you to be working in internal audit before you can get your CIA. However, two years is still very um, junior and entry in my, and I'm I'm speaking specifically for the career I'm in. However, I can go to a job and I can have six years as an internal auditor and I can easily make 125. Not a problem. Somebody who has two years of experience with the CIA, they're probably going to be able to make 70K, maybe 80K. It's true. But that's entry, right? It's true. It's true. So this is why I'm saying, guys. Um, to Natalia's point, I uh, taking on additional debt just because and understand that generations change. Yeah. Taking on additional debt for um, unless it makes sense, sense? Yeah. like Danny's career, it makes sense for what she's doing, um, because it's a specialized industry and yeah. and, and and her career would be as, as a specialty. Like I said, yeah. Um. Versus it doesn't make sense. Unless, of course, teachers reco- yeah, require Because required, you, need you need to that, get yeah. to almost the highest level degree so that you can teach people. Pe- teach people. That's different. But if it's a career where you just
3: think that I just want to... Unless you really like school, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. yeah. You know what's crazy is that um, right now, like I've been noticing, and I don't know if anybody else has been noticing, The I work in a field where... Um. sometimes you require a degree and sometimes you may not. There are some parts of it. I work in the lab, so there are some parts where you require a bachelor's and some some parts you don't. Um. I come into my job. I have a degree in biology and there are people who have been in the position for years and they would not When I tell you bump up my salary for anything because I didn't have the experience, I have a whole degree in biology, the whole study of whatever you guys are doing, and they would not give me more money because I didn't have the experience. And that is a clear example Mm -hmm. of, you know, having that, that whole degree. And just because you didn't have experience, even though it's some basic ass shit, they would not bump up your salary because experience is required. Mm -hmm. And that's, um... That's a part of the reason why I did go back to school because I'm like, you know, I'm sitting on this degree that is worth all these hundreds of thousand dollars of dollars and I can't do anything with it. Uh-huh. I cannot literally do anything with this degree unless you become a doctor. And that's another hundred something thousand dollars to yeah. get. And that's what made me realize because the f- career I'm going in, you only require an re- associate's degree. Mm. It only requires an associate's and, degree, but you have to get the the certification for it. You have to get the certification for it. And then the next level up is you don't really, you, the best thing you can get the best, you get a, a salary increase, but it, it bumps you to be a supervisor. And that's, that's the only, mm-hmm. that's the only aspect of me having my bachelor's degree that I'm honing in on is because it's like, you know, once I get my certification for whatever I'm going into, I can then become a supervisor yeah. and make the money that I'm expecting. The, the as it With the associate's degree, you're making buku money. Yeah. So I'm just like, you know, is it really, like, that serious? But I've also been noticing one thing. Ever since black people have been getting bachelor's degree, it's like the value of it has been to yes. shit mm, so yes yes because i've i've noticed that you know bachelor's degrees back in the day were so super important you could be a teacher with your bachelor's degree you can do so many things with a bachelor's degree and as soon as so many black people have been i don't want to say i think this, there's a, a a thing on top of that i think too. it's global
2: um, i think it's like uh the the economy in a generation just has changed like it's yeah. so competitive now that there has there's just to weed people out, yeah. they're creating another credential. Do you that needs yeah. okay? I have
1: a different perspective, but mm-hmm. a very interesting one. Mm-hmm. So, within the last, I would say, I don't want to say ten years, but the last couple of years, statistically, uh, there are more women graduating from college than men. Mm. Women have been undervalued economically. Financially for years, Ever. Ever. centuries, centuries. At <laughs> <Since> the beginning <laughs> we're, of time, were, we're, 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 so we're nomads? Yeah, that new law that was recently passed was to help uh, minorities and women who are also considered a minority to be able to have the same earning potential as everyone else. Like in New York, you're no longer recruiters and jobs are no longer um, uh, able to ask for your your salary history. So I think on top of what you were saying, Danny, because women now are predominantly uh, the ones graduating from college with degrees and things like that, um, I noticed that as that kept trending upward, that the value of bachelor's degrees has changed, Mm -hmm. although the value of master's have not increased. Mm. Damn. So that's why I say I have a different perspective. Because now what happens is there's a huge transition in your work floor. Predominantly, you'll find women unless you work for a company where um, the benefits are so great that people stay in their position for years. Like the company that I work for, a lot of the VPs have been there for 30 years. So the VPs are male. Mm -hmm. However, I would say that we have more women to men in our office. And in my industry, I've always seen that. Mm. I've always seen that, so it's slightly changing because once we have this the generation, uh, a few gener the baby boomers and stuff when they start retiring and things like that, and the generation after them when they start retiring, what you're gonna find as far as millennials, you're going to find more women in workplaces, which make what. The value that of the education we receive to be there obviously a lot lower, and then the value of masters doesn't increase. So what happens by them putting implementing that law where they can't ask us financially, you know, what we would like to earn? What happens is I I've noticed this in my industry. There's some requisitions or jobs that I might have gone and looked at or whatever the case is. And when I ask them what the cap on the salary is, it's usually something where I'm like hmm you know what you're doing because that, why is it so it's not, it's, it's a little below market, but I'm noticing that certain high paying jobs. Now they might add, um, like a weird quality they're looking for or something's very different because they take back from the education um, requirements, but they
3: might pull in something even funkier. That's just
1: interesting. That's interesting.
3: Uh, But I like your perspective on that because it made me think about it in a different way because it may not even be related to race or women or whatever. I think
2: just like the economy itself has changed and it's just Mm -hmm. so much competitive, it's so, it's much more competitive than it's And we have ever a lot been. more entrepreneurs. Yeah, That's a lot true. Of more entrepreneurs. And, and I think startups. we're getting more entrepreneurs and startups because people are like, okay, this education is system, it, like, is just not the move. Yes. But when you, I think that. just, like, times have changed itself. Mm-hmm. Like, when our parents went to college, it was way cheaper. Yeah. Um, if you wanted to get a master's degree, that was
1: also way cheaper than it is yeah. now. Now it's an economic liability. But you know, um... I will say, I agree with your point, but just to tie in things, I think it's a, a twofold uh, way of thinking of things. The only time we have huge economic changes, it depends on what's in the environment, right? So, like I, like Danny mentioned, um, blacks are more educated. There's more women in the workforce. Um, you have to think about uh what's happening politically as well plays into what happens in because you think about gentrification for instance, right? That's another way of pushing uh minorities out of neighborhoods that belonged to us, raising prices on real estate and things like that, making sure the affordability of our lifestyle whatever that may have been is no longer there, right? So you're pushing us out and where do people end up going? Down south, right? Down south now, jobs pay lower, typically than yes. more. Yes. The
2: circle has always paid lower. Yeah. yeah.
1: Then, uh, yes, right. And so, I think again, restraining us to um, be in um, how can I say it? Uh, a certain life that we we generation gener- generationally have lived, where it's um, you know lower compensation. Um, The economies that we're, with, we're in, like, for instance, down south, lower uh, money, or if there's poorer sections of New York, you know, things are government funded. But uh, because our schools may not be as good in those neighborhoods, we also mm. have limitations. So I just feel like there's so many factors that kind of yeah, play into yeah. all these things. And the shift, sometimes we don't see it. Um, we look at it from a bird's eye view, but we don't necessarily tie or think about it that deep. So I've thought about it like that. Do you Mm -hmm. understand what I mean? Because the neighborhoods that we do have are becoming different. Like um, I grew up in Laurelton. Cambria and Laurelton is changing. I would go to my mom's house and I'm seeing different folk. I'm going to say that. Yeah. Laurelton and Cambria right now, the housing is $800,000 and above. Yes.
3: And the houses are box
1: small, eight hundred thousand dollars or more. I remember two years ago, um, the because we have a in between Lallton and Cambria, there's a small Jewish community. Two years ago, I remember there was Perry fifteen. Jews walking our blocks, offering letters to say we will oh, offer mm-hmm. yep, money, but Brooklyn. for this because they wanted to expand their
3: community, which was right there. Well, what you don't know about Laurelton is that Laurelton is historic. It was historically Jewish. Yes, and we and we came and took the community. Yes, yeah. that church on uh, two twenty nine mm-hmm. was a Jewish church. It was a it was a, it was a synagogue. synagogue. Sorry. Yes.
2: So uh, mm-hmm. yeah.
3: no, it's I know that. And I
1: remember I had, I, when I used to work in, I worked in one of the local banks in Lawton mm-hmm. and one of our oldest customers had told me he was one of the first black customers to bank there. And he was saying there was only two black people in Lawton at the time. It was predominantly Caucasian and like you said, Jewish. But now that I feel like every time I see progression and ownership education increasing job opportunity in certain communities Mm -hmm. not just black guys but other communities where minorities may be i just feel like once the we're prospering and we're we're learning and we're outsmarting almost to a sense i just feel like there's another takeover that happens and a huge change and Mm -hmm. then you start seeing that across the states economically
3: yeah so um I kind of wanted to touch back again on Seeds of Fortune. Mm -hmm. So what do you ultimately um, help the young ladies that you are helping with?
2: So the girls come to us, they're rising junior and senior year. They go through, like, the regular college preparatory process, but Mm -hmm. it's infused from a financial literacy lens. So we're tackling the college process through financial literacy. And the girls, they go through our summer boot camp where they learn leadership skills, but we're also trying to change their mindset around money. So we have them, and everyone should, um, if you haven't read this book before, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Mm -hmm. it really, like, starts to lay the foundation in behaviors, not even just white, black, Asian, just, like, money, how we see money in general. And this is kind of the American dream trap And why kind of the 2008 recession happened, right? We have this American dream. You want to buy the house. You take on all this debt for a mortgage. But it's kind of like playing smart on how you build wealth. So in our program, the girls that go through the regular college application process, we do essay writing with them, they do resume writing, but kind of infuse, kind of like a bait 22. We're like, yeah, we're going to help you get scholarships for college. But what we're really trying to do is change their mindset around money. So every time we have something with the college application component, we bring in a financial literacy component to it. So for example, you're talking about um, salary, right? Mm -hmm. And like, what kind of jobs make what? When we're sitting down with the girls, we're like, okay, you want to be a teacher? It's great that you want to be a teacher, but teachers, um, this is the scale of what teachers make unless you become like a principal or admin eventually. You'll
1: work for charter.
2: You Or charter school because charters make more money uh-huh. and they pay for your master's degree program. Um, you should not be t- going to a school that costs $50,000 a year to be a teacher. Like, this does not make any sense. You still need to get your certification. You still uh-huh. need to go into your master's degree, right? Okay, you want to be an engineer. One of my students, she graduated in 2019, and she is a product mechanical engineer. She went to North Carolina A&T. She got like a 1200 on the SAT, which is very high and for minority students because we kind of historically score a little lower than our counterparts just because of SAT prep and everything like that. North Carolina only gave her $8,000 a year. I still felt like for her it was a good investment because North Carolina A&T has the num- one of the number one engineering programs, mm-hmm. and recruiters are coming to get black talent from that school. Mm-hmm. So now, yes, yeah, she she only had $8,000, and I'm sure throughout the um, time you can change it to your in-state student and stuff like that to play around. There's like little things that you can do to make sure you're taking down the money um, for your undergrad degree. But she's going to come out making at least 80000 90000 where it will take somebody maybe five to ten years to get to that that amount of money. Mm -hmm. So that debt that she did take on, she will be able to pay it back successfully in a shorter amount of time because Mm -hmm. that school is known for engineering. Mm -hmm. So we try to change their mindsets around, okay, you want to do this? You need to be going to an undergraduate. Does that school, what is their unemployment rate? Is it 90%? Is it 80%? Only 60% of people are getting jobs after going to this school. This is not the kind of school you want to go to. Also, um, what we have them do is, when we have them read snippets of um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, just really thinking about what does it mean, some of getting into the rat race of life and how they're spending their money, and like what does it mean to spend your money, and looking how your family spends their money. We did a, um, for the corporate jobs that they might end up getting, we're like, okay, there's different types of values that you can do, right? You can work for a corporation, you can buy a share in a corporation, Mm -hmm. and you can buy a share in the corporation that you work for, right? Like people that worked for Netflix or Uber or any of these companies in the beginning, a lot of them to come to those companies because they didn't have money to pay those employees, they got shares in those companies. And when they went public, they were able to cash out and get a lot of of money to be Mm -hmm. able to build wealth for themselves. So really trying to make them open up their minds about what it means to work for someone, what it means to own something, and what it means to build wealth. And then we stay with them, they get they get into college, most of them get scholarships, or if they don't get scholarships, they get grants, or we move them towards kind of like speaking about like your mom and kind of the things that you went to when she took on debt. If you don't get the money that you're looking for to go to college, then they're going to give you something called the Parent PLUS loan. And that is when the parents take on the debt for you. We advise our parents not to take on the Parent PLUS loan because a lot of our parents are getting closer to retirement age. And they're like in their 40s. Their kids are in their, they're in their 40s now. Their kids are going to college. By the time the kids get out of college, they're going to retire, and a lot of them are tapping into their 401ks to pay for school. We're advising our parents not to do that, and in so they do end up going to CUNY schools where they have great education. We provide them career opportunities as they go through undergrad because we stay with them until they finish their undergraduate degrees. And then we help them to go in New York City, and this is for anyone, we have financial empowerment centers. We can get one-on-one counseling to manage your money, how to manage your student loan debt, so that they're just not thrown out kind of into the world once they graduate. Mm -hmm. So these are some of the things that we have put into our program to make sure that that financial empowerment aspect is incorporated because college is the first financial decision you will make as a young adult. Mm -hmm. And it's the one that can put you back generations and your family back in generations, there was a stat that we um, used in one of our grant proposals that it's called the black middle-class slide. So one, and this is kind of what you're talking about, every time mm-hmm. a generation makes progress, mm-hmm. then there's, de-pro- there's um, regression. Mm-hmm. So you'll grow up in a middle-class family, but by the time it gets to your generation... Because you te- took on student loan debt, you might have gotten a credit card that put you in debt. Now you can't um, buy real estate or buy a house because you're trying to pay off all this debt. Now your kids don't have anything that is substantial for you to pass on to them. Mm-hmm. You're kind of going back into a lower class. Um, yeah, lower class. Then when you grew up, you were in the middle class. And this particularly happens to minority communities because there hasn't been wealth built up from generation over generation. So these things we try to, like, teach the girls about socioeconomic, why is the 1% so wealthy, why is it so white, letting them know also the SATs. Historically, it was made because it was a racist exam Mm -hmm. to make sure that in that time period, the 1800s, early 1900s, that minorities couldn't go to... Specific institutions, as well as um, low-income white people, could not go to certain institutions. You had to pass this exam, this standardized exam that would test your intellectual quality. And only mm-hmm. if you had that intellectual quality were you certified to come to these type of schools and institutions. So we try to teach the girls that. We have videos on that so that – because a lot of times when you're in public school, people like the SATs, like, ah, oh, it's just an exam. Yes. But it's really like your credit score for the university. the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's the same thing. Like, they're not taking it as seriously. They'll take the um, PSAT. They're like, oh, I got 900. Like, no, that is your worth. That is what the schools are calculating to give you money
1: to go to those
3: institutions. Yes.
1: So those are what the things that we're teaching the girls. You can, it, it, just, uh, it made me just think, I, I want you to continue your point, mm-hmm. but I used to think, why the hell are they giving me 200 points just to get my name right? Do you know that? Yes. Yes. Automatically, get 200.
3: If you write your name. You write your name.
1: But that ties into it stemming from a racist background,
3: definitely. And, and you know, this—did like, you ever
1: think about it that way? Um, I, I knew d- that. I, d- I, f- d- I did I
3: didn't. You know what I thought? I never thought about it being racist. It just, I just thought about it being like, you know, how t- are you really following? Just let me show you how it's much you on don't the pay attention. First booklet name. Yes,
1: and it's on the first
3: booklet. Yep, and that's a, it. <laughs> I'm it really so is, so This is so, stuff so, that I used to think of, and I'm
1: like I could never vocalize it because I didn't want anyone to think I was crazy for thinking like yeah, this. Yeah, but it, you know what's crazy?
3: It's like this conversation was so needed because it's like the information that Natalia is sharing with us today is like so like you're putting me onto something that I never knew, yeah. something that that our listeners can hear and and really give cuz you know I'm pretty sure our listeners have kids and, you know, are married and trying to grow and do other things in their life. And this is like so super, super, super important that that you're doing this and that you're you're making it
1: happen for kids. Like I also want to other than individuals who have kids are looking to go to college. So you have Walker Finance, right? So can you talk about. A little bit about that, and and what does um, that come? You know, what does your company do, and the the objective there?
2: So I just purchased my first condo in January. Congrats!
3: Thank you, thank you.
2: Yes, it was a long, it was a journey. It took me like a year to find this condo, and I wanted to be specifically in Brooklyn because that's where I grew up, and I love Brooklyn so much. And it was a journey to, to get to that place, but I also felt like I always had like a love for. Um, managing finances, and I, like, love to inform people um, and empower them with information. So I felt like Seeds of Fortune was definitely to get you at a younger age, Mm -hmm. really develop you, and, like, we're, like, hand-holding you through your experience. Mm -hmm. But you could only do that with so many people, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's a one-to-one kind of concept. Um, But Walker's Finance, like, I just wanted to kind of speak in our terms. Like, it is very – the first thing about money management is behavior. And for anyone to do anything, like, I'm, like, I've always been a tired person and I've, like, been working on it and I've been getting better every year. But, like, it's hard to change behavior, right? It's, like, if you start paying bills late, it's gonna be hard for you to change the behavior to start paying bills on time, mm-hmm. and I feel like there is a lot of fintech. is <laughs> a lot of fintech
3: apps. So true. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a
2: lot of different behaviors that we do. Any kind of behavior mm-hmm. um, you do, it's just hard to break human habit. And I feel like there's a lot of fintech apps out there that helps to ease you into. Oh, I just being... downloaded
1: three this weekend.
2: I love. Like, <laughs> I literally love fintech. The beat because I'm. I'm also learning because I'm always a, um, mm-hmm. a student to the game that there is a B2B aspect of fintech which. Mm-hmm. I'm not as inter in. Interested Can you explain in? to our listeners what that is? Yeah, so B2B is business to business, so mm-hmm. like things that make financial um, services companies operate a little bit better. But mm-hmm. B2C is um business to consumer, so this is anything that's going to help the consumer with their finances.
1: Just, just FYI, certain terms. Make sure you break it down. No problem. For for yeah. folks that are non-fin um uh, who don't have a finance degree. Okay, um, so. B2B.
2: Yeah. So I'm not as interested in B2B because it's kind of like how to make businesses make more money. Mm -hmm. Like how to become more efficient, which is great. In that aspect, but I'm more interested in the business to consumer, which is B2C. If you ever see those mm-hmm. kind of terms in Bloomberg, and these are things that you should definitely be checking in Investopedia, Bloomberg mm-hmm. um, are good sites to just like keep a tap on the market. Um, Yahoo Finance, and there's so many B2C or business consumer apps that are here to make our lives easier and make us build build wealth mm-hmm. and start building wealth if you've never built it before. So for one of the um, for Walker's Finance, what we do is like pop up um, financial literacy. Um, workshops and we also have like a savings club that we're starting to help people do their financial goals because I feel like it is hard to save because you're like what am I having all this money in the bank for because then you want to spend it but if you have a goal like okay I want to buy this house or I want to make sure I'm debt free or I want to make sure that I can get a vacation rental or something like that or, or invest in a business um, it's h- easier to save your money and invest your money when there's a goal attached to it. So I want to have like this kind of goal wealth builders club um, that people can be a part of. So that's the essence of Walker's Finance. So right now I do I try to do like updates on fintech apps. So some of my favorite ones is Stockpile. That's what we were teaching the girls with when they were researching um, corporations that they could work for buying stakes in it. And it makes it so easy to be able to buy a share of a company. You can buy $5 worth of, it's probably a quarter of a quarter for some companies, but depending on how much the value of that stock is, you can easily buy it. Before, there used to be a lot of barriers to entry. So Mm -hmm. basically, like there used to be a broker that you would have to go to. And
1: to And a lot of apps Cancel that, yeah, that, middle canceled, that middle ground. Yeah, they
2: cancel that middle ground. So now you can directly buy it yourself. Acorns, they invest the change in your bank account. Mm-hmm. So I love them. Um, I also added like a little bit of money to that. Um, another one I use is Digit because like I like to travel and go on trips and vacations. Yes. And Digit actually allows you to create buckets of different saving categories. So I'm also an AKA. So we have dues that I have to pay. And if you don't know, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. So we have, you know... Yearly dues that we have to pay mm-hmm. and I put that in my digit. I put my vacations in my digit. I also have an emergency um, section of digits. So let's say you're driving, and you get a flat tire. That can be like $100 or something breaks down and you don't want to go into your actual savings account and digit they're kind of already take they're still they're also taking the change out of your savings account to save a little bit from each paycheck putting it into this like mini emergency fund. Mm-hmm. So let's say um something happened and I had to put on my credit card, I can pay it off with what was saved in my digit account. Um, Clarity allows you to be able to see all different It's a good um, tool. Yes, aspects of your um, not only your banking institutions, your credit card institutions, but also investment firms are connected to it, so Charles Schwab and different um, Goldman Sachs, they have 2% savings interest rates because if you go to a regular Chase Bank or Bank of America, your savings account is only drawing you like zero point zero fifteen twenty-five, 25, Mm -hmm. which is literally nothing. You're probably making like $10 by the end of the year, if that. Um, But there's some that will give you 2% savings Mm -hmm. on your money. And I like it when it's in the cloud, just because minorities do, if you don't have good money management skills, you'll be tempted to try to transfer it back out into your checking account, yes. go to Target, get a little crazy. Um, so this allows you to be able, to, it makes it harder for you to get your money or it puts a delay on
1: it. Right. So she mentioned a bunch of really cool apps. Yes. Um, some of I don't use those apps, but I feel like I use Sisters to those apps. Yes. But like I have Robinhood where I do my
3: investments. Somewhere. Yeah, I have Robinhood too. Yeah,
1: I, I have a few stocks that I invest yes. in through Robinhood. I have Albert. Um, I recently downloaded an app called SoFi, S-O-F-I. That's a pretty Mm -hmm. good app. Um, I had Clarity at one point and I told myself I was... I couldn't remember the name. I wrote... I started writing it. I was like, it's something I can't remember. I had it before. I need to get that back. But all of those are really, really good tools. And then also... The banks that you are banking at, they also have portions of their apps where they also offer budgeting tools based on your 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 usage of that account, and they also offer other opportunities similar to some of these apps, and they may also be or, already incorporated. So, if you don't are you, if you aren't interested in these apps mm-hmm. that Natalia ma- mentioned, um, these apps related to your banking also might potentially have them as well um, we're coming up on time
3: yes and it's so sad because she's giving so
1: much information
3: yes. like I feel like I just want to sit here and just listen more and more and more and more but I truly as a friend of Natalia I've understood I, I was a mentor for a short period of time with um, Caesar Fortune and when I tell you she is doing something amazing yep. amazing with that foundation Um I truly commend you because you are doing something that a lot of people aren't doing, and something that is so imperative in our community. And I thank you so much for coming today yeah. because it means a whole lot for you guys to hear this information because it is vital in our prosperity and our growth yes. as minorities and as like just people.
1: Um, Yes, thank you so much for coming on. Thank like you I'm nice pretty for sure this is definitely um, a-, a jewel. Uh, a diamond I would say type of episode where we're giving our listeners a lot of information that they may not have had access to or or knowledge of so um um, follow us again on uh the loud ones podcast on ig twitter is loud ones podcast you can follow me at on ig at always underscore Nas. danny's danny what's yours
3: um, my name on Instagram is Danny Bonaducci and Natalia. Do you want to pl- plug in all of
2: your things? Sure. So you can follow me at Natalia Walker on Instagram. At can you Walker, spell it? N. I-T-I-Y-A Walker. So that's my personal um, Walker Finance at Walker Finance is a great place. We try to do financial tips and at Seeds of Fortune, you can keep up with all the girls are doing all the great things. We're having a wine tasting coming up in two weeks. So if you want to be down for that, also, we're having a JetBlue raffle. So we're giving away JetBlue airline tickets for anyone that donates $10 to our or more to our organization.
1: Yay, I'm Yay. so excited. Thank you again for your awesome work. Yes. It's, it's pretty dope. It's so dope. Um, Thank you guys for tuning in for another episode of The Loud Ones
3: Podcast. And
1: be sure to check out Natalia's, all of her uh handles that she just provided. Um, And can they reach you directly anywhere other than those handles if they had any financial questions?
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, You can reach me at hello at seedsoffortune.org. Um, that's like the easiest one. Okay. Donate
3: guys. Donate. Donate. It's going to
2: something
1: so great. Thanks guys. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye.
0: Bye.